It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Romeo Langford gets the start. The Boston Celtics beat the Orlando Magic, but Philly and Miami are making trades to maybe make themselves better. It's a Thursday Locked On Celtics podcast. Millions, let's go. Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. Melly. So much to get to, and hopefully by the time you hear this, there might be actual Celtics news. But as of right now, I'm recording this at 2 a.m. Thursday morning after the Boston Celtics 116-100 win over the Orlando Magic. Uh, By the way, I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com. You know that because you've probably read that when you clicked on this. But hey, hi, how you doing? Uh, Right now, no Celtics news. The Celtics have not made a trade, but Philly and Miami have. And I'll talk about that a little bit later on. First of all, let's get to this game because there was no Celtics trade and talk about the Boston Celtics beating the Orlando Magic 116-100. And uh, an interesting scenario there, Romeo Langford getting the start for the Boston Celtics. That was a little bit of a surprise. He said he was shocked by it. Uh, It's shocked enough to when he texted his mom and dad. They were shocked too. And they were like, are you starting for Maine or for Boston? And he's like, nah, I'm starting for uh, the Boston Celtics. First time ever. And not bad. 28 minutes for him. Three of four shooting, six points. Some decent defense on Evan Fournier. Now, he didn't play Evan Fournier the whole time, and Fournier ended up being Orlando's leading scorer. He had some stretches there where he was going pretty good because that's what Evan Fournier does. He's a good basketball player. But Overall, 28 minutes for for Langford and a, a plus eight. He was generally a positive. I think that plus eight is somewhat indicative of his his performance. Um, I thought he was he was generally good, decent, nothing special, nothing crazy, but decent. And for a guy that wasn't known as a defensive player in college or like any kind of defensive player at all prior to getting to the NBA. He has shown in his few stints with the Celtics that he can play some defense. Not lock anybody down, but he can play a little bit of defense. He's got length. He can you know, use his, his athletic ability to stay in front of people. Got a block shot, drew a charge. I thought Romeo Lang- Langford had a, a, nice, a nice game. You know, good support. Good supporting... Uh, performance for for Langford. The big story, obviously, was Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown. By the way, Jalen Brown tweaked his right ankle, it appears, and he was so pissed about it that he didn't talk after the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he was just not happy. He was just getting back and playing well again, and there he is with another tweak of that right ankle. And it just was like he just caught his foot. Brad Stevens played it down after the game saying didn't seem like it was too bad. So hopefully it wasn't too bad. Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, both combined for 56. 
add Jalen Brown in there, they combined for 74 of the 116, and they were the stars of the game. Jalen was uh, was pretty good. Gordon Hayward and and Tatum kind of took turns in the third and fourth quarter. Hayward had a stretch where he scored like eight straight in the third quarter. Uh, he, he came out hot. First quarter, he came out hot. Then he kind of took a step back. And then in the third quarter, he came back in and did a lot of his damage. Uh, again, like I said, scoring in that uh, in that third, uh, eight straight at one point. He had 12 in the quarter, shot five of nine overall, four rebounds, three assists. I mean, that quarter was a good game for most people. And then the fourth quarter was Jason Tatum take overtime down the stretch. 15 points for him in the fourth quarter, five of seven, three of five from three. He had a stretch where, oh, by the way, he added four rebounds and two assists. So his quarter was a pretty good game for people. 15 points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, a block, one turnover. Um, he had a stretch where he hit, he scored 10 straight, and one of those assists was a sweet pass after a steal, that one steal, where he hit Jalen Brown for that transition dunk, which was just spectacular. So I thought Jason Tatum was just very, obviously very good in this game. He finished the game with a 34, 33 actually, 33 points for Jason Tatum. Uh, overall 11 of 24 shooting, eight rebounds, five assists, a lot, a lot of just good performances, uh, out of the Celtics three stars. And this game really felt like it was kind of on their backs. Uh, they, they weren't getting, um, they, they didn't have like the ability to stagger, you know, no Kemba, no Marcus. They, they, they really had to rely on themselves. It wasn't like a, move the ball, move yourself, get open type of thing. It really became a lot of individual play and the um, they were able to just kind of step up and and perform and, and do some of the things that stars do. Like the, Tatum, we, we got on his ass all last year for isolation, but this year his isolation has been much more effective and much, uh, I think, much less frequent. But his his ability to kind of attack on his own, create his own shot, step back for three, which has been very effective, drive, finish, um, get to the that, that mid-range shot, which I asked Gordon Hayward about the mid-range shot. You know, he and Tatum and Brown have been, I don't want to say living in the mid-range, but they they have been effective from that 10 to 15 and i'm i'm really just kind of interested in how this this whole thing works with with teams now the, the mid-range shot it's not dead uh i know it's been frowned upon it's not dead and i think the celtics are using it fairly effectively uh gordon hayward's fade away his his shot from about 10 feet away is is deadly. Jalen Brown has gotten very deadly in that range. Jason Tatum has has slowly become a little bit more uh, a little bit better at at that shot. And it does it does draw people, it does draw a defender up. And eventually I, I really do think that the goal still is the same. The goal is still layups, free throws, threes. But Eventually, you know, you have to get into that the middle of that 
that defense. And as you draw players up, as they become more dangerous, as they hit those shots throughout the season, I think there's a long play here where Gordon hits a bunch of those shots, Jason, Jalen hit a bunch of those shots, and defenses know, like, we can't just give them those We have to step up on that. What that ends up doing is it opens up the backdoor cuts, cutting behind the defense, and now guys can come in from the corners and get layups. Eventually, I think that's going to be the next thing. The Celtics are are hitting a lot more from that 10 to 15-foot range. I think probably, where are we, February, end of March, you're going to start seeing a lot more of those backdoor cuts. The Avery Bradley cut. That backdoor baseline cut where guys who have now created so much work in that in the middle of that defense, drawing that defense up, you're going to start seeing guys, cutters, maybe Grant Williams, maybe Kemba, who's rotated to a corner, or maybe Gordon, or maybe one of those other guys coming from the opposite side, and you're going to start seeing some dump downs. And I just feel like that's the next step in all of this. And once that happens, then all bets are off because we get to that point, you're running a guy off the three. Okay, well, I'm going to step up and take this 15-footer and and hit it with enough regularity where you're like, ah, crap, I got to respect that. And once you respect that, then you get the back door cut. And what does the defense do? And in this... And I believe in the analytics. I believe in it. But also at the same time, I believe in common sense. And if all you do is take threes and get to take your layups and don't take those free throw line jumpers somewhere in that range, then defenses are going to know that and they're just not going to, they're, they're going to let you have it. And if you're not going to take it, you're just playing into the defense's hands. So. I thought in this game, those guys were effective in that range. Gordon Hayward especially. I think Gordon Hayward, when he's at his best, is effective in that range. And that makes him very effective because that just still draws the defense. And that's when he can make passes. Going to take a break. Going to come back. Talk about a couple of the bad things. Well, one bad thing, really. Ennis Cantor's play. And uh, somehow how uh, Grant Williams played. And then later on, trade stuff. Speaking of trade stuff... There's a contest going on here on the network. If you haven't done this yet, please do it because you could win tickets to see the Celtics play at the TD Garden. Go to any of the Locked On NBA Net social accounts, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's Locked On NBA Net on all three. Post a trade you think will happen. If you haven't guessed by now the Philly or Miami trade, even though we don't even know really what the Philly or Miami trades are, well, the Miami, Miami trade especially, but if you think there's a trade coming, maybe you can guess the Celtics trade. Ta- post it on one of those accounts, Locked On NBA Net, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Tag five people with your trade in your post, and you'll get a chance for two tickets to see the Celtics play at the Garden, or if you're a fan of another team, whatever your favorite team is, playing at their home arena. Trades will be evaluated based on picks and players, not cash. If multiple people get it, the first person with the correct trade is the winner. One winner will be chosen across all of the lockdown social accounts. If no one gets it exactly right, the winner will be the one that's quote unquote closest to the pin. So pre-bomb the Woj bomb. That's what we're calling it. And do it right now before the trade deadline. Get it right. 
and you might win tickets on Locked On NBA Net across all of our social channels. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Other things to note in this game, uh, Ennis Cantor, this was a game where Ennis Cantor was just generally not good, and uh, I think if the Celtics were fully healthy, this might have been a DNP for Cantor, or he would have gotten in, shown that he was this bad, and sat the rest of the game. This is the thing with Ennis Cantor. When he has a matchup that's not good, he looks just god-awful. Just horrible. When he has a matchup where it's where it's going all right, then he's very helpful. And he's putting back a bunch of misses. And he's, you know, not horrid on defense. I think in this game he was he was just not putting back anything. Two offensive rebounds, uh, seven points. He was targeted on pick and rolls over and over again and with predictable results. I mean, that's that's what you're supposed to do. And I think this is the the problem the Celtics are going to face with Cantor when it comes to the playoffs. Are they going to be able to play him and get some of those positive things without him burning them on, on the defensive end, having to defend these pick and rolls? Uh, the, the Orlando Magic did a great job targeting him and it, it really made him very ineffective. He was, I, he, I see he's a minus two in the box score. I, I, I'm surprised it was that good. He was, he was just not good at all in this one. Grant Williams was good. And w- one thing I'm curious, a, a question that I raised on, on the media row was when you look at Cantor in the, on, on the floor, he just clogs the lane. He's standing there on the block 
with a guy on the perimeter. And he's just kind of like looking at the guard, like waiting. You want me to, you want me to set a pick now? What do you want me to do? And if whoever has got the ball, even if he blows by his guy, there's going to be somebody in the lane. So I talk about pulling up from the mid range and how it can be effective. Part of it is the Celtics don't have much choice. If Cantor is especially in the game, because Cantor's guy is going to be waiting there. It's very easy to protect the rim if you've got a center guarding Ennis Cantor and he's just standing there. So he's waiting for you. You can do the trick that Jason T- uh, Jalen Brown did a few weeks ago where, yeah, I'm going to call you up. Come on up for the pick and then just blow by my guy left. And you, you just kind of basically trick Ennis Cantor into getting out of the way. That's a possibility. But... In, in those situations where he's on the floor and even if he's doing well, I mean, he's parking himself there. If you do take those mid-range jumpers, he does put himself in a position to put back the misses. So you might feel more comfortable taking those shots. You also have to take those shots because he's there waiting for you to miss. Uh, missing those mid-range shots is almost like a pass to Ennis Cantor sometimes. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think he's been as bad as some people want to think or, or say. Um, I know if some of those people are listening, you're gonna you're probably losing your mind right now. But I, I do think that he's been good, effective for the Celtics in a lot of these games. Shorthanded the way they are. If they had Rob, if they had Daniel Tice, then maybe he wouldn't have played in this game. And there was there would certainly be matchups where he would get little to no playing time. So it's just the Ennis Cantor thing is just, it, it's, it's a question. It's a conundrum. <laughs> this is who that the Celtics have. And some games it's going to be terrible. Some days it's going to be okay. And as I, and this is how I've said it all along. When the matchup is not good for Ennis Cantor, he looks like just, terrible. And his hip, I'm sure, doesn't help him at all in this. Like he's already got trouble guarding pick and rolls. Um having a a broken right hip or whatever it is doesn't help the situation. So anyway, I mentioned Grant earlier. Grant was great. 13 points, 6 rebounds, 3 offensive rebounds, uh an assist, a steal, two blocks. I mean, he he's been cooking 3 of 4 from 3. He's been really, really effective for the Celtics, and it, he was he was everything the Celtics needed in this game. He quietly was uh, a guy that, I mean, not MVP of this game, obviously, but like he quietly was very, very important to the Celtics in this one because if if he wasn't as good as he was, then the Celtics would have been behind for a lot. Um, he came in. And, and really change the energy, change the tide. Uh, he finds himself in the right place. He had a, a Marcus Smart FU steal in this game. I mean, he's, he's had, I'd say, the past five games or so, uh, just an amazing stretch of purely Grant Williams-type performance. 13-6 and six is, I mean, perfect for what you get, for what you want out of a rookie. It, at at that spot, what the Celtics are asking him to do, he's he's just done everything that they've asked 
And I've said from the beginning, I'm a big Grant Williams fan. Remember, before the season started, I said, you know, maybe they get to a point where he becomes uh, a viable starting candidate. Obviously, I think this team is different from what I imagined it in the preseason. But my point kind of stands in that he's the type of guy, the glue guy, that you could put into that starting lineup and you say, I trust him to make the right play. Um, still somewhat matchup dependent for sure. Uh, still going to be prone to lapses for sure. I mean, Brad Stevens will find a way to yell at him for something most nights, but he is doing just about everything that can be asked of him and in doing it very effectively and very businesslike and, and just, Doing, I can't stop. I can't stop gushing about the the little things that he does. It's been great, and so I thought he did a fantastic job in this game again. And so, if this is what Grant Williams is, if maybe he turns a corner, maybe this is his turning the corner. Um, if the Celtics can trust him to do this in the playoffs, if he can step up and do this in the playoffs, then that changes a lot of the the dynamic of what we're looking at. Moving forward, I mean, this is if this is something we can trust, then I like the Celtics' chances just a little bit better. However, it's probably good if they could get some help for their bench. They haven't yet. Two teams that are vying to pass the Celtics in the standings have, and I'm going to talk about that, Miami and Philly making trades next on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. So two trades happened while... One while the game was going on and one while I was writing about it afterwards. In fact, uh, I missed a lot of what happened in the second quarter of the game because of the trade that uh, Miami made with the Memphis Grizzlies that will send Andre Iguodala to Miami. And it's a very interesting deal because it's not quite done yet. At this point, all we know is Iggy to Miami Justice Winslow going to Memphis. And that's about it right now. We know that Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill were held out of the Memphis game. And they appear to be involved somehow. I don't know exactly how, where they're going. I know that according to uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, and by the way, side note, it's pronounced Wojnarowski. He says it multiple times. People still continue to say Wojnarowski. You don't say whatever Mike Shashevsky's name is pronounced phonetically. You say Mike Shashevsky. Say Adrian Wojnarowski. That's his name. So, or just say Woj. But Adrian Wojnarowski says that it's potentially a three-team deal that Danilo Gallinari could go to Miami. So, uh, Miami getting Gallinari 
is, I think, a bigger deal than them getting Iguodala. And giving up Justice Winslow is is tough, but I understand with the health, you, you don't get the full impact of Justice Winslow. But getting Gallinari changes a lot about the Miami Heat and makes them much more dangerous. Now, you're pairing Jimmy Butler with Danilo Gallinari, Bam Adebayo, uh, you know, Tyler Hero spacing. They're they've got they've got weapons now. They've they've got even more weapons. I think Gallinari is just such a you know, a game changer for them for everything that he does at his size. That that could change a lot about the future of the East. It really is is I mean, Miami's already good. And they weren't getting much from Winslow because he was hurt. So, and then you throw out Iguodala in the mix. I'm I'm still not clear on the whole how much impact Iguodala is going to have at 36. Uh, I think sitting out most of the season helps him health wise because he's a little less wear and tear. Now he can come in and play hard for like half a season plus the playoffs. But also, you know, at 36, there's rust and all of that. Like. I'm I'm kind of curious to see exactly how that goes, but this could be an interesting deal. And if they get Gallinari in Miami, that'd be uh, that'd be tough. That'd be tough, and that makes Miami suddenly, you know, edges to the front. I think of the pack to get that second seed, and so uh, that that could be a significant deal for them if they can pull off that three team trade. And get Gallinari there. Shout out to Memphis for standing their ground and trading Iguodala, not giving in, not not giving that that courtesy buyout. That oh, why don't you just buy him out? You know, let him go. Like they said, nope. We traded for this guy. He's got value. We're not just going to cut him and give him away to some big market team. And so they held on to him and they got value. Justice Winslow and a pick. Um, if Justice Winslow can can get healthy, stay healthy, that flipping Iguodala, and I don't know, maybe it's Crowder involved or whatever, but but flipping Iguodala to get Winslow, a young player that's more on their timeline, that can defend, uh, the way he defends on that team, man, that Memphis team is is really shaping up to be something good. What a terrible year to have their draft pick. Um, it's great to have a pick, a pick that would, you know, an, an extra first round pick. But we came into this thing thinking, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe they should just keep it and roll it over till next year. They'll be bad next year, and it'll be unprotected. No, nope, that thing's gonna be like fourteen, fifteen again. So, but you know what? I can't be mad at it because, you know, they they have suffered enough and. Uh, you know, Memphis, small market. They got jaw. They did, they did a good job. I thought so, you know, good for them. Good for them. The other deal is uh, a deal for uh, the Philadelphia 76ers got Glenn Robinson and Alec Burke from the Warriors. Burks and Robinson, both shooting. Uh, Burks is shooting like 37 and a half percent from three. Robinson is shooting like 40% from three. They needed shooters. They needed floor spacers. They needed depth. And this is going to do it for them. They gave up, uh, according to ESPN, the 
Golden State 2020 second round pick, the a 2021 second round pick via Denver and a 2022 second round pick via Toronto. So three second round picks um, for Burks and Robinson. They're, they're catching the Warriors at the right time because those are helpful guys. The Warriors are clearly not trying to add salary. They're uh, cutting costs. They're acquiring draft assets. And they're going to get, over the summer, they're going to get, first of all, Steph Curry back next month at some point. And then they're going to get Clay Thompson back over the summer. And so they're going to go into next year potentially as as favorites or contenders for the title again. So this is just a temporary. I like that it's being called a gap year. So they get some some tax relief. They get some picks. And then they could turn these picks into whatever. Package them. Uh, use them as far whatever. They there's going to be another shoe to drop. We don't know what's going to happen with D'Angelo Russell. They could certainly trade D'Angelo Russell. That's something that's still looming. Um, as I'm talking, I'm just kind of like scanning through Twitter, waiting to see if Woj drops another bomb. And as of right now, nothing. So, you know, it's funny. I recorded Locked On NBA yesterday and talked about a bunch of these rumors. And as soon as we were done recording, that 14 trade went through. So we had to re-record all over again. So hopefully none of that happens right now. Uh, but anyway, interesting to see what the Warriors do. But the the Sixers the Sixers going to have to either make a, sec- a sec- second trade to clear up a couple of roster spots or cut a couple of guys. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, who they're going to cut, but it's going to be uh, they're, they're going to have to open up a couple of spots to get Robinson and Burks. But hey, they help their bench. They help their bench. They're still in a tailspin, and I don't know how that's going to work out, but they help their bench. So Philly got better. I don't know about how much, but they got better. Miami, I if they get Gallinari, got better. If they don't get Gallinari and it's just Iguodala, um, even if it's Iguodala and, and Crowder, I'm, I'm kind of meh on that. I don't think they really get any better. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, Iguodala worked his way into a two-year, $30 million extension out of all of this at 36 years old. That's wild. Uh, The second year is apparently non-guaranteed, and it's basically going to go like this. They're going to pay him $15 million next year, which is just a ridiculous number for what he's going to be. Then they're going to pursue a bunch of free agents, one of the premier free agents. And Iguodala knows that if... They get one of those guys, then they cut him. His salary's not guaranteed. Thanks, whatever. But he's basically buying a lottery ticket for fifteen million, you know, a potential fifteen million dollars. Because if they don't get one of those guys, then they bring him back and pay him the fifteen million dollars. That's apparently the understanding. So, shout out to Iggy for just really just collecting some serious paychecks, all of which came after. He turned like 32 or 33. Like, this is just fantastic negotiating by him and his agent. So um, Miami, we'll see. I think they got better. It's up to Boston to get a little bit better. We'll see what happens. The deadline's at three. Got to mention, by the way, side note, hilarious. This is the Sacramento Kings just being all Sacramento. 
they signed Dwayne Dedman away from Atlanta, uh, overpaid him. They, they gave him a deal. I thought it wasn't that bad. The three year, 40 million. Um, but it just went south. It went south in a hurry. Um, and I liked Dwayne Dedman last year for, uh, Atlanta. I thought he did a good job. And so Sacramento paid him that three year, $40 million deal. It just flushed down the toilet. And so they're sending him back to Atlanta and with a 20 and a 20, 21 second round pick. So two second round picks, they signed away Atlanta's free agent. And then halfway through the season, they paid Atlanta to take him back. And now they got Alex Len and Jabari Parker, but those guys weren't really doing anything for Atlanta anyway. Atlanta was letting them go anyway. So Atlanta was just like, yeah, take our scraps and give us draft picks to take Dwayne Dedman back. Um, Dedman goes back to a place that he was successful. He gets the play behind Clint Capella that he was very effective as a center over there. Suddenly Atlanta's front line looks good and they move Collins over to the power forward. Great job by the Atlanta Hawks this trade deadline. I think the Atlanta Hawks have won this trade deadline. <laughs> I mean, it was them. Memphis did a good job. Uh, we'll see what Miami does if they get Gallo, but shout out to Atlanta gets an A, a big A for their trade deadline moves. Good job by Atlanta and horrible job by the Sacramento Kings. Just wanted to throw that out there. We'll see if it's a horrible job for the Boston Celtics. I know they're working on it. What comes of it? Deadlines at 3 p.m. We'll talk about it at some point tomorrow. Friday show will be about the trade deadline for sure. Uh, so subscribe if you haven't done that yet. And if you are a subscriber, a five-star rating, a good written review would be awesome. I'd love it. I'd love you personally. I want to give you a big hug. I'll tell you what. If you can show me that you gave a five-star rating and a good written review, you can prove that it was you and you see me at an arena... I will give you a hug. Guaranteed. I will give you a nice and a real one. Not a fake. I will give you a good hug. I'm a good hugger. So that's a promise. That's a hug for a five-star rating and a good written review. God damn, it's late. I need to go to bed. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.